I've, I've explained this to you guys before, but just to kind of repeat it and just kind of so we're all on the same all on the same page, um, and, I, and I am going somewhere with this, so bear with me for a couple of minutes. But, uh, you know, so a lot of times people wonder, I'm sure, where do you get your messages from? Where do you get your scripture from? That's all, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, just like we're coming off of a series uh, where we talked about the, the uh, various streams of Christianity, the various tr- traditions that have existed throughout the centuries. So sometimes, I'll, you know, I feel, like, I feel like God might be leading me to speak on certain subjects, and that was one of them. Uh, every now and then, something may jump out to me. Something you know, God may speak to me through uh, through whatever means, and I feel like He's leading me towards uh, preaching or talking about a, a particular subject or a particular scripture or whatever. And that's probably about twenty percent of the time. Uh, but about eighty percent of the time, I follow my scripture readings. The scripture that I choose comes from something that we refer to that we call uh, the lectionary. And I know that's probably a strange word to probably the majority of you. So I'm just going to kind of break that down to you, so you just, just to give you a base understanding of, of, again, you know, where we get these subjects from and where we get these, this scripture from. And there's a definition up there uh, that's pretty, uh, pretty succinct. It's a pretty standard definition of what the lectionary is. Uh, it's a listing of readings from the Bible that are used on particular Sundays or days of the Christian year. The early church created the Christian year, so the whole message of God's saving work in Jesus Christ would be heard throughout the year. So basically, it's a series of readings that are catered to the seasons or the uh, the uh, the seasons of the Christian year: Advent, Pentecost, Easter, uh, all of these seasons that we recognize in the church. It's a three-year cycle, and what that means is basically it's uh, it, it's three different years, three different readings each year that will uh, that will uh, start over after the third year. Does that make sense to you? And generally, there's four readings per week. There's a uh, there's an Old Testament reading. There's a reading from the Psalms. There's a reading from the Gospels, and there's a reading generally from the Epistles, from one of Paul's letters. Um, so that's generally how I get my scripture every week. Most of the time, what I'll do is I'll sit down, I'll just see if one of these four scriptures kind of speaks to me for whatever reason, and, and I'll go with that. But the other thing is, these things correlate, this cycle, these readings that we talk about, uh, they correlate, again, with the Christian year and with the Christian seasons. In other words, you're going to see similar themes being brought out through these scriptures. So, for example, if we were going into the season of Advent, you're going you're gonna to see, see themes in the Scripture that refer to or that speak to the coming of Christ, whether it's the second coming or whether it's the first coming. That Scripture is kind of going to revolve around that stuff. During the summertime, we don't really, we call this ordinary time. There used to be a name for it. It runs from like, you know, the end of Pentecost until, until Advent. It's about a six-month period. It used to be called Kingdom Tide. And the reason for that is that a lot of this subject material that they cover, a lot of the scriptures that you cover, will focus on uh, Jesus' teachings on the kingdom of God, which is actually what we're going to do today. So why does that matter, and why am I telling you guys all this today? Uh, One reason is, uh, y'all know that we recently started a new adult Sunday school class here. And their curriculum follows the lectionary cycle. So each Sunday, they're going to focus either on one or more scriptures that fall into that particular week. And it's really, it's really cool, and I think what you're going to wind up seeing is you're going to see a lot of these similar themes that they talk about in that Sunday school class. They're going to kind of, sometimes the scripture may be exactly the same, um, but these kind of, you're going to see similar themes oftentimes, and you'll see how this thing kind of unrolls. And that's, again, that's kind of the case for today. Uh, the class talked about, and I didn't go to the class this morning, but I did read the lesson. 
Um, the class went over the story of Jonah this morning, unless they did not go over the story of Jonah. She's going back there shaking her head. You went rogue on me, didn't you? So Carla, Carla went rogue, and she didn't follow. She didn't follow the rules. So, uh, so we're going to get a week ahead. They were supposed to go over the, the lesson of Jonah, the scripture of Jonah, this morning, which would have correlated beautifully with my sermon. Now it's going to mess the whole day up. Thanks, Carla. But, but if y'all don't remember the story of Jonah, I'm gonna, I'll, 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 or if you're not familiar with it at all, I'm gonna, I'll give you kind of the, the short rundown of Jonah, right? So the book of Jonah is a really small book in the Old Testament, and just like in your Bible, it's probably three or four pages long, and uh, it's it's listed, it's it's you can find it within what's called the prophetic books, the books of the prophets, and it's considered a prophetic book, but it's a little bit different. It's a it's 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 a story about a particular incident regarding this guy Jonah and God and some other people, but the basic gist of it is this: the basic storyline goes like this: uh, Jonah was this prophet, and God came to him, and he he said he said you know there's a I got an issue with these folks and with this, this, uh, in, in this town, this city called Nineveh, which is a city of about, I think, 120,000 people is what the Bible says. Uh, very wicked city, very sinful city, that type of thing, and God wants to see them turn around and, and turn to him. So he enlists, he enlists this prophet Jonah. He says, I want you to go to Nineveh, I want you to tell them to repent, and I want you to bring them back to me. Uh, Jonah was not a fan of the people of Nineveh for a lot of reasons. He didn't want to go there. He didn't like the people. So he listened to God. He's like, uh, yeah, no, not going to do that. So he turns around, and uh, he, he leaves, and he goes the other direction. The story is that he gets uh, caught up in this storm. God creates this storm while he's on the sea, and, and uh, the, the people wind up throwing him overboard, and he gets swallowed up by, by, the, by a big fish. He's in the belly of a fish for about three days and uh, eventually gets spit out and uh, agrees, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll follow what God wants me to do. Um, <laughs> anyway, so he does, and he goes to Nineveh. And he preaches to the people of Nineveh, and it's like a one—it's like a one-sentence uh, thing in your Bible. Uh, but he preaches to them, and uh, and they do—they turn to God, and they, and they they repent, and and they're all saved. And it says it's this beautiful—it's this, really this beautiful scene. Story doesn't end there, though. The main focus of next week's Sunday school lesson is this. <laughs> get to ruin it for you. It's what you—it's what you get. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, but what they're going to focus on next week is the rest of the story, like Paul Harvey used to say. Now, I don't know if y'all 40 or over 45, y'all don't know, under 45, y'all know who Paul Harvey is. Uh, the rest of the story is this. Jonah was still ticked off at God after these people repented, after these people turned to God and turned from, from their wickedness and all that. Jonah was ticked off. He was mad. He didn't like the outcome because he didn't like those people. He didn't want to see those people turn. He didn't want to see justice prevail in that land. He didn't want to see God's justice prevail. He didn't want to see these people turn to God. That's how much he disliked and hated them. And it actually says in the story, he said, God, he, he talks to God. He says, God, I, this is, when they turned away, I swear this is it. I swear this is in your Bible. Read it for yourself if you don't believe me. He says, he says God, this is exactly, this is precisely why I didn't want to do this because I knew that you were a God of compassion and a God of love and a God of mercy and I knew you were going to do this. Yeah, that sounds pretty awful, doesn't it? 
pretty, that's pretty, pretty bad. Uh, so, you know, we can read that story and, and, and uh, consider that story, and we can, we can shake our heads at Jonah, and we can, you know, wet, wag our finger if we want to, but if we're honest, you know, this is really a pretty common occurrence. Um, if we're even more honest, we've probably all been guilty of something like this. I got, a, I got a lot of funny looks there when I told you guys that story, but if we search deep in our hearts and our memories, I think that at some point or another, all of us will probably be able to recall where we've had these types of thoughts about people. So how does this, inter, how does this, how does this interact with this thing that you started off, Jerry, with this thing called the lectionary? I'm going to show you because what we have this morning is a very, very similar theme that we find from that theme of, of Jonah. Over in the New Testament, Jesus tells this parable with a very similar theme. It's in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Sometimes we refer to this as the parable of the workers in the vineyard or something very similar. So I've done this kind of this exercise with you guys a little bit before on a couple of occasions. But as we go through this text, I'm going to read it very, very slowly, and I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to place yourself in this story, okay? This story has a lot of characters in it, and I don't like using that word when referring to people in the Bible, but I don't know another word for it. There's a lot of players in this, in this, in this particular story that you're going to find, many, many characters. And I want you to ask yourself, which character can you or which character do you identify with the most in this story? Which character or characters do you identify with the most as we read the story together? Secondly, how does this parable compare to our understanding of justice, our understanding of fairness, our understanding of who deserves what, particularly when it comes to the grace of God and the uh, answer these questions because I might test a couple of y'all when we get done with it. But it's Matthew 20 chapters, uh, Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 through 16. Again, I'm going to read it slowly and just think about this. Again, there's, there's, there's a plethora of, of people that are, that are so most, most of them are unnamed people, but there's a plethora of people in here. Which, which character do you relate to the most? Which, which, which character do you kind of identify with the most as we, as we read through this? Starting in verse 1. And these are the words of Jesus. Jesus tells this parable. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After he agreed with the workers to, to pay them a denarii, he sent them into his vineyard. Then he went out around 9 in the morning and he saw others standing around the market doing nothing. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. And they went. So again, around noon, and then at three in the afternoon, he did the same thing. And around five in the afternoon, he went and found others standing around, and he said to them, why are you just standing around here doing nothing all day? Because nobody's hired us, they replied. So he responded, you also go into the vineyard. So when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the workers together and give them their wages, beginning with the last ones that were hired, and moving on finally to the first. 
So when those who were hired at five o'clock in the afternoon came, each one received a denarian. Now when those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarian. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner. These who were hired last worked one hour, and they received the same pay as we did, even though we had to work the whole day in the hot sun. But the landowner replied to one of them, Friend, I did you no wrong. Did I not agree to pay you a denarian? Take what belongs to you and go. I want to give to this one who was hired last the same as I give you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what belongs to me? Or are you resentful because I am generous? So those who are last will be first, and those who are first will be last. So that's the word of God for the people of God. So I realize sometimes that when we read these things, we can get kind of bogged down in our, in our own thoughts. So let me just kind of replay that for you, replay, replay that uh, parable for you. So uh, this landowner goes to the marketplace. And y'all know, we, we have these today. We, we, have, we, have, we have day laborers, right? So you can, kind of, you, can kind of, you can kind of think about this in your head. You can picture this in your mind. So the landowner goes to the market. The Bible says first thing. That's about 6 o'clock in the morning. Okay, and he hires his first group. And he goes back at 9, he does the same thing. Goes back at noon, does the same thing. Goes back at 3, does the same thing. Goes back at 5 o'clock, does the same thing. By the way, a denarian would have been basically a day's pay. It wasn't, they, they, weren't, they weren't being ripped off. It was, it, was a good, it, was a, it was a very good pay, actually. Uh, very, very equivalent to what a general laborer at that time would receive for a day's work. Um, <clears throat> so all of them work. And within, the day generally ended about 6 o'clock in the afternoon. So uh, these guys that came there at five, number one, they got paid first. I don't know if y'all picked up on that, but they were the first ones that were paid. Okay, That would probably rub us the wrong way, right? <laughs> so they were paid the denarian. The rest of the guys saw this, and they said, oh, they got to pay a full day's wage, so we're probably going to get paid more, right? Well, no. Uh, they all got paid the same thing that they were promised. And the guy, and they, they complain about it, and the landowner says, hey, I can be generous to whoever it is that I want to be generous with. I didn't cheat you. You got exactly what I, exactly what I told you. I want to be generous. That's my business. Kevin, who did you relate to in that story? Which one? Think you're the last one? Okay. <laughs> Rudy, who'd you relate to? You don't think you would have complained about that? I'd be upset. Come on now, let's be honest. <laughs> Come on now, this is a church, man. <laughs> so most of us, if, if we were being honest, would reply that, yeah, we probably related most to... Uh, the first laborers that were hired. That don't seem fair, right? That doesn't seem fair. If I go out there and work my rear end off all day in the hot South Georgia sun, and I get paid X amount of money, but this guy just showed up 30 minutes ago or an hour, and they pay him the exact same amount, I'm probably going to be a little perturbed, a little upset, a little, little put off. 
But this story speaks to the generosity of God. This story speaks to God's overwhelming grace. Jonah did not think that it was fair. Jonah did not think that it was just for God to forgive and to redeem those people at Nineveh that I told you about. We don't think it's fair that these late workers get paid the same as the early ones. What we need to ask ourselves sometimes is why is it that we find it so difficult to rejoice in another's good fortune? Why is that so hard? Especially, now this is, this is, this is the meat of what I'm getting at. Especially, why do we sometimes scorn or why do we sometimes disdain God's extravagant grace that he pours out on all people? Go to the end of that if you don't mind, Benita. The last verse is there. Are we resentful because God is generous with others? What do you mean, preacher? We don't do that. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. But here's what I'm talking about. Take a look again there at verse 16, the one that kind of ends today's reading. It kind of stands out, right? It doesn't, it doesn't uh, kind of seems a bit out of place in this whole story. Those who are last will be first. Those who are first will be last. You find Jesus saying that a lot in the Gospels, by the way. This is not the only time this sentence appears. Jesus says this a lot. Those who are last will be first, and those who are first will be last. Just as the landowner was just as generous to the last workers that he called to the ball game as he was to the first, God's generosity, God's grace, God's love, and God's mercy is very oftentimes extended to those that we try to avoid. Those who sin differently than we do, those who maybe don't quite live up to our expectations of moral standards. Don't we question God about that sometimes? Are you really that generous, the poor, the neediest among us, the beggar on the street, the thief, the disabled, the tax collectors of Jesus' day, the prostitutes, the addicted, those who we feel live with compromised morals? Let me take a, step, a little step further, just for clarification, church. Let me understand this, understand where I'm getting at this, this and what this parable is all about, what this story of Jonah, the ending of the story of Jonah is all about. There are no levels of savedness, okay? There are no levels of savedness. Nobody is more saved than another human being. Nobody is less saved than another Christian. We're simply, simply saved. We might be in different stages of our spiritual development. We might be struggling with some kind of sin. We might be some kind of struggling with some kind of hang-up, some kind of shortcoming, some kind of failure. Or maybe we even have some misunderstandings or some different understandings of what it looks like to walk with Jesus. But we are all, as brothers and sisters in Christ, those who have, de who have declared Jesus as Lord, we are completely equal in the eyes of God. Just as God pours out his love, his grace, his mercy on that little old lady who's been sitting in that church pew and who has lived an upstanding Christ-like life for 80 years, 
so he is also today pouring out that same generosity to that man or that woman who is struggling on a street corner begging for your money who's going to die tonight as a result of a drug overdose. You cannot outsin God's grace as a believer, as a follower, as a redeemed person. God deals in the currency of grace and love and mercy. And he does it so extravagantly, and we receive it equally. When we come up to this altar, we all drink from the same cup, and we all eat from the same bread. Unified. Not because we deserve something, not because we've earned something, not because we're more saved than that person that we don't like but because we're unified through what Christ has done for us. Because he gives it. He gives it. This is a good question, man. This is a good question. People have left churches. I've known people who have left churches because they didn't want particular people in that church with them. Are you resentful because God is just as generous with his grace his salvation with that person you don't like person you don't agree with you know I hear it frequently and I'm going to end with this y'all um, this is something I hear very frequently I want y'all to think about this and y'all can, y'all, y'all can agree with me or not agree with me that's, that's fine that's okay it's just, this, this is an opinion um, but I just, this, is, this was something that came across me uh, came across my thinking yesterday as, as I was working on this sermon I hear a lot. Some of y'all are not going to like this, and that, that's fine. We can, we can talk about it later. Um, but I hear a lot of Christians today, and, and I see a lot of Christians post stuff on social media um, very prominently, uh, basically making statements to the effect uh, that one of the problems with the church today is that we have become too tolerant, that we have become too accepting of people. Have we? Or are we finally, some of us, learning what it means to exercise grace and mercy and love, the very characteristics that define who and what God is? I told you all this morning, the book of James, one of my favorite books in the New Testament. Kevin, y'all can come on up if you want to. Um, book of James, my favorite book, in the, one of my favorite books in the New Testament. James 2.13 tells us that mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's in the Bible. That was written by a guy generally believed to be the half-brother of Jesus. So I tend to think James knows what he's talking about. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. We can never go wrong. We can never go wrong erring on the side of love, church. Cannot go wrong with that. And y'all can hold me accountable for this last statement I'm going to make to you. Y'all can hold me accountable if we, if we, if we die and, and we're in the afterlife and someday um, we discover otherwise. But I don't think that God is ever going to come to me. I don't think God is ever going to come to you with some level of accountability and say, you know what, Jerry, you know what, Sandy, you know what, Rudy, you know what, Scott, you know what, Sylvia. Y'all were okay in your lifetime, but y'all were just a little bit too loving. Y'all just gave a little bit too much grace. Y'all just gave a little bit too much mercy. 
Y'all tell me in a few hundred years if I'm right about that or not, but I don't, I don't think God's going to do that to us. These scriptures are about God's generosity. And how we apply them in the world is distributing that same generosity, that same grace, and that same mercy. I want to open up the altar as we do uh, every Sunday. This is a time for you guys to, uh, to uh, just search your hearts. Maybe you just want to spend a few moments with God in prayer there in your pews, wherever you're sitting. Uh, but this is your time. If you feel led to uh, come up to the altar and pray, that's what it's here for. I'm here to pray for you. If you need that, just let just uh, come up here and let me know, guys. All right? This is your time.